folks welcome back to another episode of triple g ginger's gridiron and golf podcast i am your host stephen kerr aka the ginger fresh back from a road trip and uh before we get into this week's episode uh no guests this week so it's just me uh back in the saddle all by my lonesome talking at a little bit of nfl football tiny bit of golf um as we know there's not much happening there I'm going to get into, uh, for those that know me, close me closely, the road trip that uh, we were able to pull off myself, Dutch, our first ever guest um, at Savage uh, Golf Services, Matt Savage, and my old man were able to pull off a trip. Uh, we left actually last Wednesday, December the 9th uh, in the afternoon, and we made our way up to Minneapolis, Minnesota for an absolute classic Thursday night primetime game at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Pittsburgh Steelers, if you didn't have an opportunity to catch the game, the Pittsburgh Steelers played uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, we almost witnessed history. What a comeback by the Steelers, down 29 to nothing, uh, with 5.16 to go in the third quarter. And Big Ben Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson um, started marching up and down the field on this uh, Mike Zimmer Vikings defense who uh, really started to sit back. And, uh, you know, they were able to get home. I thought they almost knocked Ben out of the game a couple times with some uh, clean blindside hits uh, that that the offensive line and Big Ben did not see him coming. One specifically uh, that was near our end zone. Eric Kendricks coming off the uh, the uh, the left edge behind the left tackle and came clean and absolutely smoked Big Ben. I believe it was at the start of the second quarter, midway through the second quarter, and it did not look like Big Ben was going to get up or wanted to get up anytime soon. So he was hit hard often and early in that game. And as the game started to move on and the Vikings built their lead, um, Zimmer started to sit back defensively. And defensively, Pittsburgh did a good job getting off the field when they could. Opportunistic interceptions, um, especially the one after the first score. Game goes to 29-7, to and uh, the Pittsburgh uh, gets a tip ball, I believe, from Justin Jefferson on a um, deep dig route over the middle of the field. Good ball by, by Cousins, but a tight window gets tipped, and Pittsburgh gets the interception and puts another score in uh, shortly after that. And all of a sudden, it's 29-14, and you could start to see the bench percolate and things get moving. So, um, And coming down right to the end, 36-28, to two seconds left as the Vikings could not tackle um, Deontay Johnson to get out of bounds. He gets all the way down to, I believe, the 10 or 12-yard line. And he, uh, Big Ben tries to hit Pat Fryermuth over the middle of the field. And a big hit by Harrison Smith and Xavier Woods in the end zone, actually right in our end zone. Um, as we sat uh, at the top of the 100 level and knocks the ball loose and the Minnesota Vikings hold on. So uh, what a football game. What a great game. But uh, shout out to the Minnesota Vikings. They do it right. They do it proper. 
This was stadium, I believe, 12 and 13 for me, um, 17 and 18 for Dutch. And this was the best game day experience that I've seen in the NFL. Hands down, period, no questions asked. From uh, the big Viking horn to the skull to uh, the light show. They had uh, Flo Rider on the halftime show. Um, the American Anthem was great. And I know you get spoiled with some with the primetime games. And I, I know you're going to get a little bit more, i.e. the halftime show and the big American flag. But um, just the the replays up on the uh, the scoreboards, it was just a steady flow. There was always something going on. And um, just a great game day experience put on by the Minnesota Vikings and the stadium from the outside. Uh, not particularly great looking within the city it's a it's a mix of new and old in minneapolis if you haven't had the opportunity to go but then all of a sudden um out of nowhere as you're in the middle of the city pops up this state-of-the-art um viking ship type of building and it just doesn't fit doesn't look right doesn't fit and and from a distance it, it just doesn't look all that great but as you start to go closer and closer to the stadium and then all of a sudden you get up there and you can see in from the outside, um, the flaps open from the roof. You can see from above, as I'm sure uh, those who had the opportunity to watch the game saw many overhead views where you can view directly into the stadium from above. And then just everything around it from, uh, you know, the big Viking ship out front to all of the uh, all of the amenities across the board. Um, just Minnesota did it right with U.S. Bank Stadium with their game day experience. So shout out to that. I thought it was the best in the NFL, the best that I've experienced as uh, as I move forward with with all of my experiences. And from there, we uh, we made our way to uh, to Cincinnati. A long drive on uh, on a Friday, and um, another twelve hours down to to Cincinnati. We didn't stop there. We threw in a little college basketball game. I know this is a football and golf podcast, but uh, you know, stationed home in Cincinnati from from Friday night on through until uh, till Sunday night, and uh, drove up to Columbus, Ohio, and visited the Ohio State University campus to see a nice college basketball game as the uh, 21st ranked Buckeyes played the uh, 23rd ranked Wisconsin Badgers. So uh, nice. Nice game there to see the Buckeyes beat up on on Wisconsin. We actually did find out what an actual Buckeye is. It's the uh, Ohio State tree, and it's a poisonous nut that uh, is growing from this uh, tree of Ohio. Um, So I I did not know that. So you learn something new every single day. I found that out in a campus bar. I just had to ask that question because I'd always wondered what a Buckeye is. And then uh, come return back to Cincinnati where we were stationed to wake up Sunday morning to a flexed primetime 425 start as Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers stroll into the Queen City, Cincinnati uh, for a 425 start in the jungle. Welcome to the jungle as uh, they visited Paul Brown Stadium, Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals and um, another great game. A phenomenal game goes to overtime, back and forth, late comeback, two great throws. We actually had seats up in the uh, the 300 level, uh, I believe 312, row four. Great seats to see Ariel see the the run game of San Francisco. All those plays develop from up top to the passing plays of um, of Cincinnati, and 
Um, for the second half, we moved down to the 100 level in the corner, and we picked the right one because the Jamar two Jamar Chase touchdowns in the fourth quarter thrown by Joe Burrow were directly right in front of us, uh, especially, I believe, the 41-yard bomb into that uh, right corner end zone. Uh, was not too far away from where we were sitting, and I got that one on uh, on camera. So, hope you had the opportunity. We were live for a short period on an Instagram live um, on Thursday night with myself and the boys who were at the game. But that Viking Stadium's loud, so it was real tough to uh, to get anything going there. So we did a quick little preview, and then Sunday, uh, as you can imagine, the road trip takes a toll when you've been gone for five days and 38 hours worth of driving. So. Uh, Sunday just didn't materialize with uh, with the game plan and, and where we were situated. So, apologize uh, to those who were out looking for that. But what a road trip! An amazing time. But um, not gonna quite. I thought about having them as a ginger's garbage, but not quite because there's two sides to every tale, and there's a lot going on in that area and a lot of great college sports um, to be had across the board and, and sports in period. But real disappointed with. The Cincinnati Bengals fan base. Um, I don't know if you could see it from the telecast for those who are watching that game um, at that 425 start, but that place was empty, folks. Um, there was probably 15 to 20,000 seats. Those That's two f- real good, not real good football teams, but two good football teams. 49ers coming in at 6-6, six and six, playing for their playoff lives against the Bengals, who had just seen the Browns upset the uh, the Baltimore Ravens without Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley tries to make the, the late comeback, but it falls just short. And just not a good turnout from the Cincinnati Bengals. So was kind of disappointed. And and after talking with, with um, fans from a couple different sections, that's kind of what they get um, each week. That's kind of their crowd. So um, not sure exactly what's happening there because the future is bright in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd's going to be there for a year and C.J. Ozama's, you know, a solid tight end piece. You can add another piece or two. Yes, they still need some work on the offensive line and the defense is shaky at times, but um, just I thought the place would be bumping, especially with Cincinnati moving in the right direction, but uh, I guess not. So a little bit of a downer there in terms of um, my vision uh and my thoughts on the Cincinnati fan base. But uh, overall, what a great trip, great time. And we did the cannonball run coming home, driving straight home from uh, from Cincinnati after the game, leaving uh, shortly after 8 o'clock, driving all the way through the night to get her home uh, late, late Sunday night into Monday morning. So um, phenomenal trip. Thanks for those who joined me, and uh, thanks for those who followed along on the trip as we uh, posted on uh, not only Triple G's, social media but my personal social media account as well so thank you very much for that but enough about me and the trip let's get into what we learned in week 14 of the nfl who we're going to put on our contenders and pretenders list and a big big week in nfl football in week 15 here as we move into the stretch run or uh, as we analyze right in the middle of this stretch run with exactly four weeks to go Bye weeks are over. So uh, week 14, what we learned. Learned a couple things. Um, not a whole lot to be learned in overall in terms of, um, you know, what what was good and, and what was bad. But um, 
One thing I did learn was is that it was a big week for the NFC. There were seven interconference matchups uh, in Week 14, so it was a little bit of a different week to have it to have that many this this late in the season. And you'll start to see that um, there'll be less and less. So it was the last kind of big week of the inter interconference matchups, and the NFC took a bunch of those down from from uh, the Vikings beating Pittsburgh and. Uh, to San Fran beating the Bengals, two live games that we've seen. To the Bucks beating the Bills, um, there was there were some big games, and and the NFC came through in the clutch. Saints Saints beating the Jets, so five and two was the NFC record. So those NFC teams really kind of put a dent in um, a couple of those AFC teams playoff push, playoff lives, all those types of things. So a big week. We learned from the NFC over the AFC with a five and two record in the in those seven interconference matchups, and what we are what we did learn, unfortunately, and and we've done a good job here through 14 weeks on this podcast, not really talking about it, really trying to focus on NFL football, but with the new variant, um, really starting to turn it and rear its ugly head here. COVID-19 is going to have effect deeply on this season here moving forward. Uh, buckle your chin straps, folks, because um, the teams you support, uh, they're going to be affected in some form or fashion. We've got uh, up to, and the number's always changing. You know, I did the prep for this podcast a few hours ago, and I was at 62. And um, as I record here shortly after 9 o'clock on Tuesday night, and just took a quick peek, up to 75 players over the last two days um, put onto the COVID-19 list with this variant. So it'll be real interesting to see from an unvaxxed perspective, first off, what their um, proverbial tune will be or wh what those players are going to decide um, from their personal choice. Do they start to feel the pressure? Do they start to feel the pressure from the different um, protocols and procedures that they're going to have to follow? Will we see a reintroduction of daily testing for vaxxed and unvaxxed players. All of these things are going to be things that we'll, that we're going to need to follow. We've already got the Rams and the Browns into um, you know that enhanced stage of COVID protocol as the NFL puts it. Um, the Rams, as you guys know, um, Odell Beckham Jr. test positive immediately after the game last night on Monday night. They're immediately shut down. Um, doing virtual meetings, the practice facility shut down, and the Cleveland Browns, five starters out. Um, some big name, uh, Jack Conklin is is on that list from the Browns side of things. So they're going to be in a tough situation here as they play on Saturday night um, at four thirty against the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. So what is going to happen there in terms of the Cleveland Browns and the lineup that they're going to have to field on Saturday afternoon? into Saturday evening. So this thing's about to rear its ugly head. Um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Hopefully the NFL, they had some league meetings today and hopefully they can really act quickly, swiftly and promptly here to, um, to get this thing squared away and moved it in the right direction. They finished the season last year. There may be some bumps along the road. Don't be surprised if a game or two is moved. I know they're trying to keep games to the scheduled time and the the increase in practice squad players um, hopefully the increase in the movement in the NFL over the last two years has kept some of the guys uh, locally or on the street if you will 
um, in tune or in better shape. So hopefully they can hop onto a, a roster and not affect the overall product of, uh, of the game too much here. So real interesting to see. But uh, it's just something that uh, over the last three days or so uh, really started to rear its ugly head. And, and knock on wood for us, uh, we got home okay. Everybody uh, followed all of the procedures that we needed to do to get back into Canada in terms of negative uh, PCR testing. And we're all going to uh, get ourselves retested later on in the week here just to make sure that those sh those signs aren't showing up a little bit later uh, for this health and safety for us, for our families and everybody uh, moving forward here. So um, I think we got it in just in time because I don't think there'll be a chance to do uh, any more road trips here uh, in the foreseeable future in terms of uh, the COVID-19 and this, uh, this new variant that's reared its ugly head. Mention the league meetings um, at the NFL level. They've happened here uh, over the last 24 hours. And one thing that's came out of it is that we are going to see a salary increase from $182.5 million up to, in 2021 up to $208 million in change in 2022. We will see what happens in 2023 because there is some uh, players' expense stuff that will need to be paid back. Um, that's kind of been deferred here in terms of uh, of the players and what they want to do. So they're going to have to kind of make that decision for 2023. We may see a flatten. Um, we may see a slight decrease. But in 2022, that number's going up to over $208 million and change. So uh, we're going to see some money spent. That's $26 million automatically um, that you're going to have in, in cap space. So those teams that are sitting at, 25 26 27 million projected um dollar value for the 2022 off season well now you add another 26 onto that and now you've got yourself 50 60 70 80 100 million dollars to spend so we're going to see um, some serious spending hopefully there's a decision made about what's going to happen in 2023 and that's where we can get into some a little more longer contracts and those big big time contracts um, that the players are hoping to uh, to splash and land. So hopefully we can get back into that. Saw so a lot of short-term, one-year, um, two-year, prove-it type of deals uh, waiting for that salary increase in 2022. The players knew that was coming that way, so that was not a surprise. Our contenders and pretenders. Let's get over to that before we uh, take a deep dive into Week 15 because I'm. this is probably my the most excited um, barring the road trip that I just got back from, but um, the most excited I've been about an NFL week um, in a long time. Obviously, I'll, I'd have to go back to last season or even the season, the season before, but before we get there, wanted to start with our pretenders as we always do, and I'm going to kick it off with those Las Vegas Raiders. I'm putting them into the pretender box, and it's just, you feel for them, everything that's happened from the Gruden fiasco to Henry Ruggs and what happened there. Um, just a real tough spot for those Las Vegas Raiders. And they were able to, to you know, weather the storm with smoke and mirrors, let's say, uh, for a few weeks there. But they've dropped five of their last six. They're all, all the way down to six and seven. And they are at the on the road against the Cleveland Browns. They're in my pretender list. They've got a tough AFC West. A few more divisional games left coming home. I just can't see... 10 wins is you're going to need 10 wins to get into the playoffs in the AFC. I think no matter what, 
with the likes of the Chargers winning last week. Buffalo still at 7-6. Coulter on fire here. Big matchup against the Pats this week. So, you're, to me, you're going to need... You still got the Broncos at at seven wins. So there's a bunch of teams at, at seven here. The Browns are there as well still. But uh, So you're going to need 10. I cannot see the Raiders going 4-0. So I think that Kansas City loss was the death blow, and we're putting them officially on our pretender list. Another death blow that we saw happen, and probably the reason why they fought so hard, and that is the 6-6-1 six, six Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, same situation. If they can sweep the sweep the table, they may have an opportunity, but it's a tough, tough schedule here. Um, and, and at six, six, and one, it, it, you know, you go three and one, that only gets you to nine wins. You know, you're nine, seven, and one, probably not going to be good enough. You, you'd need some serious help. So I'm putting after that Minnesota Vikings loss, thirty six twenty eight on Thursday night football last week. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to my pretender list. And uh, might be the end of Big Ben here if they get a couple losses in a row. And my other pretender list, and especially if Lamar Jackson is hurt for any period of time, is the Baltimore Ravens. I think they've had a very similar situation but to the, to the um, Las Vegas Raiders. And what I mean by that is, is that just the injuries, we, I don't need to go through them all. But you lose Mar- Marlon Humphrey last week, going into last week's game uh, um, from previous two weeks ago. Came the injury, so he goes out. And uh, Lamar Jackson, whether he's going to be able to play or not, is definitely nicked up. So there'll be an element of him his game that's maybe not quite to par. And I think it's just too much for him. You get, listen, you got the Green Bay Packers on a, on a 4 o'clock start, or a primetime 425 start this week. One of two. Um, interconference matchups. I, I just can't see the Baltimore Ravens um, holding court here. They're they're falling all the way back to eight and six now, um, and uh, sorry eight and five, and a loss to the uh, to the Packers puts them to eight and six, and um, it could be tough. So I'm I'm putting the Ravens right now in that pretender bucket. Okay, and my contenders are. Our two teams, we, we talked about the AFC uh, contenders last week. We're going over to the NFC contenders now. Um, and I'm going to anoint for the first time these two teams, and that's the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers. Um, no Jalen Ramsey, no Tyler Higbee. No, it doesn't matter because Matty Stafford showed up and showed out in a big game against the Arizona Cardinals. And big game experience matters. And, and Stafford doesn't have a lot of it, but... McVeigh does, and that offensive line does, and Sony Michelle does, right? Odell Beckham Jr. does. So when the lights turn bright, when they needed it the most, when they they needed the opportunity because because the local media and the national media and the pundits and everybody was itching to get out of their seat and jump all over Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams, if that that's a loss. And instead, they switch, flip the switch, flip the uh, flip the table on everybody, and uh, come home with a huge thirty to twenty three victory on Monday Night Football. And now, all of a sudden, that Cardinals squad is getting questioned a little bit because lost two out of the last three. Is there enough experience there? DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to get through the entire season. Aging AJ Green, um, JJ Watt is hurt. 
what are they going to are they going to be able to show up and show out in the big game and now all of a sudden you've got the Packers at 10 and 3 you've got the Cardinals at 10 and 3 you got the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers at 10 and 3 and blink your eye and you've got the Rams one game behind now at 9 and 4 so really a couple slip ups here coming home late for these Cardinals yeah they may finish the season at 12 and 5 or 11 and 6 worst case scenario. But that's not how you want to go into the playoffs for the for the Arizona Cardinals. So they're a team to keep the eye on and the Green Bay Packers. Um Aaron Rodgers officially owns the uh Chicago Bears much like Tom Brady owns the Buffalo Bills and no questions asked and they are a contender in that in that uh conference and to me they can go toe to toe with just about anybody. Uh, they can play defense when they want to. The only slip up for the Green Bay Packers is that offensive line. I think your teams are going to be able to get home on them if they get David Bakhtiari back. If they can get Billy Turner Turner back, um, Josh Myers at the center spot. There's an opportunity that for them to get healthy on that offensive line late in the year. Um, really start to ramp up that two-headed monster at the running back spot. And um, because that uh, that offense is officially becomes unstoppable when they get that running game going, you give uh, Aaron Rodgers a legitimate play action passing attack. Yes, I know you don't need a great running game to play action pass well. We've seen that um, in, over the last couple of years. Even the Buffalo Bills, great play action passing team, have absolutely no running game at all. So you don't necessarily need a great running game. And I know for for all the for our average listeners out there, going what do you, what does how how do you have a great play action? The data doesn't lie. You, you don't. Those linebackers are still going to suck up a little bit, but it's a adds a physical element to um, the game. And AJ Dillon um, running in between the tackles and Jones adding that speed element, um, it really forces you to uh, to to become physical. And if you haven't had the opportunity. Um, Check out the press conference with Brandon Staley. Um, type in Chargers Brandon Staley running game press conference and ta- um, listen to him talk about um, the um, talk about balance, having a balanced attack, or having how important a running game is to a passing attack. And he talks exactly what uh, what I just touched upon briefly there, but he gets into it a lot more in depth. I recommend you have if you have the opportunity go check that out. It's only about five six minutes long, so it's not a long video, but um, he it real good uh, insight and background into um, his thoughts on the play action passing game, the running game, what it provides, and why it's needed. So um, great learning ex- experience or learning opportunity listening to Brandon Staley. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL in terms of press conference and really providing truthful, candid, honest answers and in depth answers that not only speak to to the layman fan but speak to the you know the rabid fan as well so um he's a guy that i always when he's turns on his mic on a press conference my ears perk up because i want to hear what he has to say here on to week 15 and nfl game lines we're here we're past all the buys everybody's played the exact same amount of games so there's no more game and a half or half a game up now it is even steven on the game front and we are ready to go i briefly touched on it only two interconference matchups this week that's the carolina panthers at the buffalo bills and the um 
Baltimore Ravens at the Green Bay Packers. That may be flipped, actually, folks. It may be the other way around. Uh, might actually be um, the Green Bay Packers at the Baltimore Ravens. As I'm speaking here, let me and check that. So I'm getting you those those right um, statistics and inf- information here. So almost every game, 16 games this week, I got counted on my list here that there is probably 11 of those 16 games that are impactful and big time impactful to um, the playoff situation and what's going to happen here. And yes, I was correct. The Green Bay Packers are um, visiting Owen Mills, Owen Mills, uh, Maryland in Baltimore um, for the, uh, the 425 start. But let's get into it. And it kicks off with a monster matchup early in the week on Thursday Night Football. That is the Kansas City Chiefs visiting the LA Chargers. Chiefs are uh, nine and four. Chargers are eight and five. So huge AFC West matchup. Chiefs four point favorite, fifty one on the uh, the game total here. I think the Chiefs keep rolling. I don't know if the Chargers can keep up. I don't know if they're going to be able to slow down the Chiefs. I, I, and I know the Chiefs aren't the offensive juggernaut that we've seen in, in other weeks, but I think they're going to be able to score enough points. They'll be well up into the 20s, and the, with the way this Chiefs defense is playing lately, they are absolutely lights out. Uh, Frank Clark, Chris Jones on the inside. I know Chris Jones probably won't be playing in this game. Dude, he's one of the big names on the COVID list here, so that could be a big impact in terms of um, what's going to be available for the Chiefs. Melvin Ingram may have to kick in and in inside and uh, provide a little help in pushing that pocket against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. But I like the Chiefs to cover the four. And I'd have to like the over, too. Uh, You know, I could see a 28-24. I could see, um, you know, a um, 34-27 type of game. So I like the over on that um, 51, but I do like the Chiefs to cover four against the Chargers. We've got our first Saturday night here this week in week 15, uh, we got sounds like we're going to get um, 15, 16. We do have two Christmas uh, Day games. Right now, 17 and 18 are both on the Sunday. But I know the NFL um, released today that ESPN will have a doubleheader on that uh, week 18 matchup. will be flexed. So we'll see. They want games that are going to be uh, directly impacted to the playoffs. So they'll get that out to us um, shortly here. And we'll see um, see what comes of it. But this week's Saturday um, schedule is absolutely dynamite. We got the Raiders visiting the Browns. Browns are were opened up at six-point favorites. It's been taken off a lot of boards. I saw it um, just before I came on here at three, back down to three. Not sure what the updated game total is. But um, huge matchup for both teams. To me, losers going home. I don't think the Browns, with their conference record and with their divisional matchups coming home, can afford to drop an, another one. Um, you know, the Colts may win another game here. The Bills could probably win another game. And, you know, sitting a game back with three to go and not having the tiebreaker. So effectively, you become two games back with three to go just too far up the ladder you got to climb with too many teams in front of you so i've been saying it all year for the last four or five weeks but losers losers going home on this one even the raiders you know they win that game there's they got a sweep just like we talked about they got to sweep the board to get to 10 and 7 
Same with the Browns. And with three tough games coming in and getting some more divisional games there, playing Cincy in the last week of the season. Um, losers going home uh, Saturday, December 18th at 4.30. You heard it here first. Pack it up, pack it in for one of those teams that loses that football game. And then we get into a prime time smash your mouth smash mouth football punch you in the face type of game on the offensive line and the defensive line and that's the nine and four new england patriots on the road against the seven and six indianapolis colts colts open up at two point favorites 45 and a half is the game total i like the under here and i like the colts winning this game by a field goal like i said this is going to be punch you right in the mouth. Quentin Nelson and that offensive Eric Fisher, uh, Gliskowski, and that amazing offensive line in Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack against Demondre Stevenson and Damian Harris and the bruising Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason and that offensive line in New England who's done a great job protecting and getting that running game going for Mac Jones. Um, going to be short, sweet game, less than three hours. And if you like old school, three, four yards in a cloud of dust, you might want to turn this football game on, folks, because this is going to be old school. I like the under here, like I said, and I like the Colts minus two. Um, big game for the Colts here. They're in that same situation as uh, as Cleveland. They've got a little bit of a better conference record, so they might be better on the tiebreak side, but... Um, they've got to continue to roll, and they got to win this game. They've got to get to 8-6, so a huge matchup there. And now over to the Sunday at 1 o'clock game, games, I shall say. <coughs> Pardon me. The 5-8 and eight Carolina Panthers visiting the 7-6 and six Buffalo Bills. This is a must-win for the Bills. No matter what um, moral victories they got out of the big comeback at Tampa Bay and uh, their opportunity to win that football game. Buffalo Bills own five. Are, Buffalo Bills are own five in games decided by seven points or less. Their losses are by three, three, four, six, and seven. Um, they are not a good football team right now, folks. And as much as I I uh, would like to say differently, call a spade a spade, and that's what we do on this podcast. The Bills are one game above five hundred, and that is not a good football team. And they're in the likes of the the heap and the pile of the AFC. Alongside those teams that we've talked about, the Cleveland Browns, the Indianapolis Colts, the Denver Broncos, um, and the list goes on and on. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens. The Bills have an easy schedule coming home other than the Pats um, game on the road, but that's a winnable game. Even f- even if, if, if they can play like they did in that second half, but they got to have this one against a, a banged up, um, no quarterback, Carolina Panthers and I know that Carolina D is good and I respect it and Stefan Gilmore is coming back to the team that drafted him so he's going to want to play well but um, Bill's got to have it that's that's flat out as simple as it gets the 9-4 and four Tennessee Titans two point favorites on the road against Pittsburgh Steelers another must win and this is why I love week 15 because we're at that point Team, you're seeing you're going to see Desperate, hungry teams pulling out all the stops. And the Pittsburgh Steelers got an opportunity. You want to talk about your punt, another punch-you-in-the-mouth type of football game. That's what this football game is going to be. 41.5, and I still like the under. 20-16. Um, to 16. 
That's what I see this game being, 21-16, um, 22-17. Going for two, um, pulling out all the stops for these two teams. So big game. And then a, a big game in the NFC East um, for both of these teams. That's the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles coming off of the bye. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites, 43-and-a-half on the game total. And uh, a tough loss for Washington. I thought they, they didn't show up in the first half last week at home against Dallas. They're on the road against Philly. And they've both of these teams got to have this game. And to me, it's going to be who can establish a running game and get their quarterback in a rhythm early enough and early on. Hop out to an early lead. Both of these teams are better when they play with a lead um, because they can continue to stick with the game plan, stick within their offense. They're not great when they're, they fall behind. So that'll be the key in this game. Who can get up early? Who can get up often? And go ahead and take control of this game. Let's close it down with the Sunday 4 o'clocks and the two final primetime games here. And uh, we're back at it. As much as we were loving the Cincinnati Bengals, had an opportunity to take the AFC North lead with three we- or four weeks left in the season. And a great comeback from 20-6 to six down in the fourth quarter. Kicked the first field goal in overtime, and Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel ripped the heart out of the fan base, Zach Taylor, and that Cincinnati Bengals team. And they fall to 7-6 and six last week and now having a tough spot going on the road to the Denver Broncos, who are playing great football, who are running the football very, very well starting to get a little bit more healthy and might just be playing for something in the opportunity to play for number 88, Demarius Thomas. What a heartbreaking story. Um, going to give a little moment of silence here for Demarius, and it just gut-wrenching. So let's all uh, take a second here, think about Demarius Thomas and how sad that was. And Denver is going to have the opportunity to go ahead and win this football game against Cincinnati at home in front of their crowd to be able to go to 8-6 and six and be right in the hunt here with three weeks to go. Who would have thought it? Who would have thunk it with as bad as that offense has looked at times? Remember seeing that Cleveland Thursday night game? It was god-awful offensively. But they've weathered their storm. They've found their identity. they found who they are. After trading Von Miller and, and all the ups and downs and ebbs and flows and fire Vic Fangio here and, and you know, put in Drew Locke there and what are we doing at quarterback? Let's just blow this thing up to, hey, we win this football game and, and depending on what happens with teams like the Bills and the Colts, they with three, like, three weeks left, you could be in that six or seven seed here. So a um, lot to play for for both of those teams. To me... Um, the Bengals, the Bengals simply come down to can they play clean football? Uh, they're they're a talented enough team. They're a good enough team. And when they don't put the ball on the ground, and they don't, Joe Burrow doesn't throw interceptions. They're a good. They're a real good team, and they're going to move the ball. They're going to score points, and they're probably going to beat you. Um, for Denver, um, the key to stopping Denver is stopping that running game, and it's easy said than done. But uh, it's a two-headed monster now. And uh, good luck to the Cincinnati Bengals. I, th- I think Denver's going to win this football game. And I think they're going to win it by a touchdown. 
And then uh, fighting for that that last one of those last playoff spots, Atlanta visits the San Francisco 49ers coming off huge overtime win. Atlanta almost puts the lights out on the, on Carolina last week to push them to 5-8. and eight. Um, So a huge matchup here. Matt Ryan versus Kyle Shanahan, the old coach rivalry back again. Jimmy Garoppolo, 8.5 point favorites. I think that's way too high for San Fran. 40 half, 45 and a half on the on the game line. I like Atlanta to cover that. At the game line, I I could uh, I could go either way, so I'd probably avoid that one. But uh, huge matchup here, and I I think San Fran's found something. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is playing good football. I think that they've got a good offensive line, and now with everybody healthy, they've got Ayuk back into that role and and into the offense. Doesn't matter who they need got at running back, whether it's Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon. Uh, Raheem Mozart, it, it doesn't matter who's back there. Um, it, they're going to find a way to, to run the football, and they use Debo and Iuik in, in the run game as well to get creative. And um, you give Jimmy a little bit of time, and he's going to deliver the ball. George Kittle's back. Made some absolutely phenomenal catches in terms of, uh, you know, watching him there on Sunday, 13 for 159 and a touchdown. So uh, real cool to see that. Also real cool to see Dalvin Cook go over 200 in that Pittsburgh game as well. You don't get to see two great individual performances like that. So that was on my spreadsheet, if you will. And then closing it out at that 425 spot, the Green Bay Packers, like we talked about at the Baltimore Ravens, five-point favorites are the Green Bay Packers, 43.5. I like the Packers easy here. I like them winning by a touchdown. The Packers are one of those teams when when you think they're going to win, they win. Just like we thought they were going to shellack the Bears. And okay, yeah, well, they were down 10 nothing early. Uh, Green Bay doesn't flinch. You got a AR-12 back there. Um, as long as he's back there. And who knows with all this variant stuff and everything that's happened over the season. But uh, as long as he's back there, um, whether Lamar's playing or not, I, I just don't see Baltimore having enough firepower here um, defensively to slow down Green Bay and the running game and the passing game and everything they have there. And I think Green Bay can play enough defense against Baltimore, even on the road, to slow them down. And then Sunday Night Football. Um, the New Orleans Saints, back from the dead, win against the Jets. Somehow pushed to 6-7 and seven here with everything that's gone on with them. And in an NFC South matchup, and at first glance you think the Bucks are going to roll here. 10-3, 11, uh, 11 point favorites, 46.5 on the game line, but... Uh, this is a sneaky one for me. Divisional matchup. Uh, they play. They, they play the Bucks tight. I would. I'd be apt to take the eleven points uh, with the Saints. I know it's tough with with what they got going on at quarterback, but um, Alvin Kamara will be back again. Mark Ingram's back in there, so they'll get that running game going. And I know it's tough to run against the Bucks, but you may see that short running back passing game out of the backfield um, to get Kamara out in space. And they, they know how to play physical against these Bucks receivers. They know how to to fluster Brady a little bit. So I think if the Saints can do that, they'll be in this football game. And, and I definitely like the 11 there. And then Monday Night Football, the Vikes at the Bears. Big game for the Vikes. I uh, wouldn't talk too much about this one just because of, you know, 6-7 and seven versus 4-9. and nine. But it is, even at 6-7, and seven, it's a huge game for the Vikes. They're in that, that, um, that um, cluster with... Philadelphia, New Orleans, Atlanta, San Fran, um, and Washington. 
and Philly for uh, you know that seventh and last playoff spot in the NFC. Folks, huge week in NFL football um, for what we have coming up in terms of playoff implications. Like I said, there's 11, 12 out of the 16 games that have direct impact on an AFC or NFC um, playoff spot. So it's here. The playoff push is here. Um, the playoff indicator on uh, on or predictor on ESPN is available. So if you want to go and try to predict your, your team's playoff chances, and what needs to happen for them to slide into one of these last playoff spots or to win the division. It's available on uh, ES- ESPN. It's a fun little tool to use. I've used it over the years. It's called the Playoff Indicator, or p- sorry, Playoff Predictor, ESPN.com. But a uh, huge week here in in, uh, in uh, Week 15 of the NFL. What we learned in Week 14, we know. Fingers crossed for everybody uh, with this coronavirus and the new variant. Hopefully it doesn't have too much effect and we can kind of stop the spread slow this thing down a little bit and get back to normal or what we thought was normal there for a little while but um that's it for what we got for nfl football we're going to be short and sweet on the far side after break here folks enjoy a big week of nfl football we've got thursday night saturday night sunday night and monday it's that time of year you can smell it and i can feel it coming in the air tonight a little phil collins and we'll catch you on the flip side here comes the here comes the here comes the y'all don't really want it like yeah here comes the no here comes the i love this triple g podcast where real life sports and you talk with me. Folks, welcome back from break. We're going to get into the world of golf, but before we do that, make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ginger Triple G. And uh, let's talk a little bit of golf here. First off, shout out to, uh, we've been we were following along over the last couple of weeks. On some uh, local Canadians here, Ontario Canadians, um, in the PGA Champions Tour qualifying school. And uh, Ian Doig was not able to grab one of those alternate spots. Um, just a just a big thumbs down to the uh, PGA Champions Tour and, and the qualifying there. I hope there's more to the story than, uh, than meets the eye there. But uh, only 79 participants in that uh, that final qualifying and there was a couple of uh, alternates on the range that morning so not quite sure why they wouldn't try to fill that field with 27 threesomes but they didn't and they threw out a couple twosomes and and left uh, Ian on the range there so not quite sure what happened there but a uh, tough break for Ian but keep your head high Danny King Dennis Hennershot um, two local colleagues of mine or ex-colleagues of mine uh, fought hard T59 T70 uh, in the qualifying so not their best week but uh shout out to them great job well done fellas and don't give up on that dream there's still uh, a couple more years where you guys can uh, get down there and hopefully qualify or get some conditional status and and chase your dreams there not a lot to talk about uh talk about not a lot to talk about on the on the uh the golf front in terms of what's happening here over the, the last couple weeks or in the weeks to come uh, this week is a big week on uh, on the PGA Tour funny season, if you will. But before we get over there, 
let's just give a quick little synopsis. We're going to have Dutch in next week to give our year in review on golf and look forward to the 2022 season, talk a little bit of football as well. But the LPGA Tour, it's not starting back up till uh, January 20th, 23rd at Lake Nona. But uh, just a couple highlights moving into 2022. It's a 34-week schedule. Uh, that event opens up at $1.2 million in the, the closeout tour championship. Ends up, uh, I believe, at Tiburon or in Naples, Florida for a $7 million event. A record high $85.7 million in purses to be handed out for the LPGA Tour in 2022. So uh, big season for the ladies. Dutch and I will get into uh, who we think is going to be uh, primed and ready to go. We'll take a look at their major schedule as well as they're at Pine Needles for the U.S. Open. A couple other cool venues for the ladies, so we'll get into that next week. Champions Tour. It's a 25-week uh, schedule covering 20 states, three international events. They're in Morocco, Scotland, and Canada. They're at Glen Eagles in Scotland. And for the Shaw Classic up here in Canada at Canyon Meadows Golf Course in Calgary. So another big... Um, Big season coming up for the Champions Tour in their 42-year history. And that just shows you how good uh, Bernard Longer is. 42 years, and he's won the Player of the Year, or that Charles Schwab Cup, if you will, in six of those seasons. So absolutely phenomenal. 15% of the time, Bernie Longer's taking it down. But they kick it up uh, in Hawaii January 17th to the 22nd, and they've got a, um, a record high $62 million in purses to be handed out in uh, in 2022. So... Big, and a big season, and you can start to see not only sponsorship-wise and what's happening worldwide here with golf that, you know, the ladies and the, the seniors getting record purses here. So it's not just that trickle-down effect and how popular golf is, is has hit other tours other than the PGA Tour. From, like I said, the ladies to the champions to the Corn Ferry and to uh, the DP World Tour. Um, and it's a world tour, 46 weeks, and they are kicking it off um, January 20th. So hopefully they can get that going. But who knows, uh, like we talked about uh, with uh, with football, in terms of what's happening with the uh, the worldwide pandemic. And we've seen what's happened to their events in, in South Africa. So fingers crossed that they can get that going in January here and somehow find a way. In terms of what's happened on the PJ Tour and the, the silly season schedule over the last couple of weeks, uh, Victor Hovland... Wins the Hero Challenge. Tough round uh, of 76 for, for Colin Morikawa. But um, touched briefly on it last week. I don't know how this event gets World world Golf Rankings. We've got Jordan Spieth and Henrik Stenson playing the wrong tee deck. Um, and then making a joke about it. So uh, we've got to figure out something there. This week at the QBE shootout, I did not catch much of it. But we had Kevin Na and Jason Kokrak take it down. And then uh, moving into where all the eyes will be, and that is with the big cat coming back to play a little bit of golf. And uh, he's going to join 20 teams at the PNC uh, Parent Challenge here. Uh, we've got the likes of uh, Justin and, um, and Mike Thomas, his father, um, defending the crown. They won last year. Tiger uh, and his son, uh, we're T seventh, so they'll uh, they'll be looking to do well. Nelly Corda, only female in the field, uh, playing with her dad Peter Corda. We got the Ferex, uh Jim with his son Tanner. We got VJ, or sorry, we got the Sings with VJ and Cast. They're always uh, locks for this event. We got the Dailies, as uh, John Daly's son, who is now a freshman, 
in university. We got the Duvalls, the Stensons, the Kuchers, uh, the Harringtons. Uh, Gary Player will be there with his son. So it's it's 20 teams, a great field, great event. Um, always enjoy watching this event. So it'll be real interesting to see uh, what happens. And the eyes of the golf world will be on Mr. Tiger Woods and his return and how he's hitting it and how he's playing and, and uh, what's going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see. I think he's going to uh, shock the world. He'll be, he'll be just fine. Uh, Tiger always seems to do that. On the PGA Tour, uh, we'll dive into it next week, uh, give you the full breakdown, but they're back at the Century Tournament of Championships in Hawaii, January 6th to the 10th. So uh, not a whole lot to cover in the world of golf. And, uh, you know, we'll get into more 2022 next week with Dutch, like I said, but uh, real time to relax and enjoy a fun event here on the PGA Tour. And then uh, the schedule moving forward before we let you go here tonight, folks. Uh, we've got our last Season 2 podcast le- next week. Working on uh, a couple more guests alongside Dutch. Talking a little football. Maybe doing a little roundtable as we move into the stretch run. And we see w- what happens here after week 15. And then we're off for a couple weeks in the holidays. And we'll be back in the new year. Uh, I believe it will be January 4th. Episode release in January 5th as we move into the last week of the NFL season. And we'll fire it up with some football guests right into the football playoffs. And we'll go forward in Season 3 from there. So um, it's been a great time here. Great to be back from the road trip. Folks, enjoy some NFL football this week for Week 15. And hope everybody's playoff team does well. Enjoy a little Tiger Woods back on the golf course. Make sure you flip on in between football and see how he's doing there. Make sure you're tuning in each week to the podcast. Make sure you're following us along with our Pick 6s every Saturday, the Pick 6 Saturday. So uh, we'll be back on that as we uh, we missed it last week, the road trip. But thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're smashing the uh, auto-download button and the subscribe button. Share the podcast if you like. Tell somebody new about it. We could always have a new listener. And uh, other than that, thanks again, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.